Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, grow you as a disciple, and help you serve His purpose. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. So who's been enjoying this great weather that we've been having? I think um, this is probably my favorite season of the year, just to see those beautiful blossoms, the signs of new growth all over. And I think that spring just makes everything more beautiful. Did you know that church makes everybody more beautiful? I have a statistic for you. Did you know that three out of three people in church are more beautiful than the average person? (laughs) Now turn to the person beside you and say, he's talking about me. If you're online, you can point at the screen and say, Pramod's talking about me. Now, I, I sense there's some skepticism about my statistics. Um, but I do have a verse for you. Ecclesiastes 3 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. It's just that some of us need more time than others. So just as we are in a physical season of spring, we're also in a season of sabbatical. And as you all probably know, our senior ministers, Pastor Melanie and Paul Marshall, are on sabbatical. And you might be wondering, what exactly is sabbatical? Well, sabbatical is a spiritual uh, season that God has ordained. And it's a little bit like the rhythms that we see in the seasons. There are rhythms in God that we have. And one of those rhythms is sabbatical. And I preached about that in our Refresh series way back in May when we talked about the rhythms and the cycles that God has in place. And one of the things I said in that message was that sabbatical is actually not just good for our senior ministers, but it's good for all of us. And just as in the physical we see these beautiful signs of new life that's happening everywhere, So too in the spiritual, throughout our church, there are beautiful signs of new life that we are seeing in this time of sabbatical. And talking about rhythms and cycles, we're also into a new series. It's a new series called Real Freedom. Now, this is a great topic. I just think it's one of the most exciting topics that we can be preaching about real freedom. And it poses the question, what is freedom? So if you look at a theological description of what freedom is, it would say that freedom is the life we live as Christians as we cooperate with God and as God forms us and shapes us so that we become more and more like Christ in our thinking, in our actions, in our desires, But another way to say that is that freedom is like being set free from a prison cell, a prison cell of captivity in which we find ourselves because we don't know who Jesus is or maybe because we believe something about God that is not true. And I'll be talking a little bit more about that as I go on. Freedom is then when we leave that prison cell, when we're set free and when we follow Jesus out of that prison cell. In John 8, we read, So if the Son sets you free, you 
are truly free. And that's what I'm here to talk about. Not just being set free a little bit, but being set truly free. And that's what the series is about. So let us pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you that you promised that when you set us free, we would be truly free. For many of us, we don't know how to be set free by you. We find ourselves again and again not being truly free. And I pray, O oh God, that through the series on real freedom, that every person here would find how to break free from sin, how to break free from doubt, find how to break free from everything that, presents, that prevents us from being truly free. Amen. Do you like movies in which people escape? Maybe escape from prison or get captured and then make an escape? Well, I grew up in the 80s watching a television series where the star of the series was MacGyver. Yeah. Richard Dean Anderson was the most amazing escape artist you could ever find. A good guy and a hero, but he always found himself getting into the stickiest of situations. And somehow he would find things that were lying around or just happened to be there, ingeniously put them together, and find a way of escaping. And it was such a popular television series that the term to MacGyver something actually became part of the language and the culture. If you want to know what MacGyver was like, it was something like this. Imagine that you were a MacGyver, an escape artist extraordinaire, and you have been put into a prison cell. And MacGyver would look around and just use the things that were there, maybe the shoelace off his shoes, um, maybe some gum wrapper that had fallen down and no one had noticed, a feather that had come through the window. And somehow he'd put all those things together and he'd break out of that prison and he'd be free. But my question for you is, is he really free? If you break out of a prison and escape, and MacGyver goes around the corner and runs into a prison guard, the prison guard's just going to catch him again, put him in handcuffs, and put him in an even better jail. So was MacGyver really free? He was no longer inside that, inside that prison cell, but was he free? But what about instead of that? His boss in the television series was a guy called Peter Thornton. What if Peter Thornton had gone, my secret agent MacGyver is in jail, he's being held because he hasn't paid a fine, I'm going to go and pay that fine, and MacGyver will be freed. Now, the prison uh, guard would come up, open the prison door, and MacGyver would be there inside the prison. But is he now free? And I've been thinking about this idea for weeks. What is it that makes us truly free? It's not our location. MacGyver was not free, even though he had escaped from the jail and was trying to make his way out. But in the jail, when the, when the jailer opened the door, he was inside the jail, but he was free. So the location is not the thing that determines if you are free or not. 
In a way, the thing that determines if we are free or not is our status in God. In 1 Corinthians 7, we read, God paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world. So if God paid a high price for you, there must have been a big fine that you owed. There must have been something owing on your account. And God paid that high price for you in order that you might be free. And it's whether that price has been paid or not that ultimately determines whether we are free or not. Now, there may be some of you here today who've heard about Jesus. Maybe you really like this Jesus person. Maybe you're even thinking, I want to follow this Jesus, but you're not sure. Most people in this room, myself included, at one stage was in that position. And I had to decide, was I going to follow Jesus? Was I going to put my faith in Jesus? Was I going to let Jesus pay my fine so I could come out of my prison? If you're inside that jail, there is only Jesus who is willing to pay the fine to bring you out. And Jesus stands outside that prison cell, and he's there willing to pay it for you. All he wants is for you to ask him and give him permission to do that. And Jesus is a gentleman. He waits patiently at the door of your heart for you to open your heart, and he stands there with an open invitation to you. In John 6, verse 29, we read Jesus telling the crowds of people that this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one that he has sent. And in this passage of Scripture, the people had been there, and they had been seeing Jesus, and there were all kinds of things that they were thinking about. But Jesus said to them in the previous verse, verse 27, spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. And that's what God wants us to spend our energy on, seeking that eternal life. And so the people were like, okay, what is the work I have to do to earn this thing? And that's where Jesus says in verse 28 to their question, what should we do? He says, the only work God wants from you is to believe the one he has sent. And so that's the first step you have to take to find real freedom, to believe in the one that God has sent, to believe in Jesus Christ. And when you believe in Jesus Christ, that fine is paid, and we can be set completely free. Our status can change, even though our location may not change. And if that is you today, if you've never made that decision, at the end of the service, there's going to be an opportunity for you to respond to God. There's going to be an opportunity, as I make an invitation, for you to say to Jesus, I'm willing to accept that offer. I'm willing to put my faith in you. I'm willing to follow you. Now, I said at the start of my message there were two elements to the, the freedom, of what freedom means. Freedom is being set free from a cage that we find ourselves in when we are not followers of God, but it's also when we believe lies about God that are not true. In the first part of freedom, we, we, we talked about 
um, that verse from 1 Corinthians 7, that God paid that high price for you. And if you remember back to MacGyver in that prison, he was in there. Peter Thornton would have paid the price. The guard would have opened the door. He was free, but he was still inside the jail. There was no one stopping him leaving. And although you are free in status, you can physically still be inside of that cage. And the second part of freedom is walking out of that cage as we follow Jesus. And that's the second part that I want to talk about today, is what is it to be a follower of Jesus? And another word for that is to be a Christian. And if you want to know about that, that was what our last series was about, call yourself a Christian, question mark. Sometimes, as followers of Jesus, we find ourselves entrapped again and again in a prison cell that the enemy has set up for us. For example, we might find that we're enticed to watch something that we shouldn't watch. You know what I mean. A secret sin, a private battle, an addiction, a habit that shapes our brain, and no matter what we do on our own, we keep falling back into the same dark place. Notice how I said when we try to find a way out on our own. We can't find a way out of the prison on our own. That's the lie of the devil. You think it's so shameful. I can't tell anyone. I can't get help. And because of that, you remain isolated and alone and unable to have others walk with you and help you. Let me tell you, there is no shame in confessing your sin to another trusted person. It breaks the power of that sin. It's liberating and it's freeing. The real shame is if you don't do it. In Psalm 25 we read, In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame. Nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. If that is you, you certainly know that you're inside a prison cell. But sometimes we don't even know that we're inside a prison cell. I grew up in apartheid South Africa as a non-white person. And I left South Africa and immigrated to New Zealand in 1989 as an 18-year-old. A few months later, in February of the next year, Nelson Mandela was released from prison. And I tell you all that so that you can know that from the time I was born, my entire childhood, into my early adulthood, I lived as a second-class, non-white citizen in a country under apartheid. And I had no idea what that had done to me. I didn't realize what a prison it had put me into. I believed a lie that I was not as good as white people, that white people were better than me, that I should always be subservient to white people. I would never be as good as them, and that was just my lot in life. But what I hadn't realized is 1 Corinthians 7, where the Bible says, were you a slave when you were called? 
And that word slave there, it's not a figurative language being used. This is literal Roman slaves who had become Christians in the early days of the church. And what does that verse go on to say? Don't let it trouble you. Although if you can, gain your freedom. For the one who was a slave when called to the faith in the Lord is the Lord's free person. And that's what I hadn't realized, that I was the Lord's free person. I remember that day as an 18-year-old in December of 1989 when we landed in Auckland Airport. And um, my father had picked us up. We collected our bags. We had about a two-hour drive back to where we lived. And we drove out of the car park. And before we'd even left the airport area, we pulled into a service station to fill up petrol. And it might surprise you to know back in 1989 that what would happen is someone would come out and they'd fill up your petrol and they'd clean your window for you. It was a very different time. And so we pull into this garage and this white boy runs out, starts pumping gas and starts cleaning our window. And I'm sitting inside the car looking out at this white boy cleaning a black person's car. I was so shocked. It just completely blew my mind. A white kid cleaning a black person's car had the world gone completely mad. It completely shook my understanding of everything in the universe. And on that two-hour drive to where we were living, God did a work in my heart and my mind as I processed that. And I realized that I was equal to anyone else in God's sight, that I was unbelievably precious to God because I was made in God's image. And even if the world sometimes denied that, it didn't change the truth of what God had said. And as soon as I saw the lie and I saw the truth, I was set free. And I have never ever since then let anyone look down upon me again. I see myself as an equal to anyone I meet whether they be at the top of the totem pole or the bottom of the totem pole. They are all my equals. In God's eyes, they are neither above me nor beneath me. We are all God's children together. Knowing this has set me free in such a fundamental way, in such an incredible way that I hold it dear to my heart, even to this very moment. And if you're thinking about how you too can follow Jesus out of the prison that you're in. There's a number of different ways that people can walk with you on that journey. And I want to give you a few pathways. You can make a start by coming up when we, when we close the service and receive prayer from the prayer team. You can contact the church office, Oscar's that QR code, it does marvelous things. You can email the church, you can phone the church, you can reach the church from our website, and someone will contact you and help you to walk on that journey. We have incredible small groups with incredible small group leaders, and if you join any of those groups, those leaders will love you and help you to walk that journey. I do really want to recommend to you the Freedom Group. We have three Freedom Groups, uh, Freedom for Blokes, Freedom for Couples, and Freedom for Women. And those groups are so incredibly popular, they can't even be waiting lists. And we've just started a new 
uh, with a new set of people, so you might have to wait till the next intake. But you know, I had been a Christian my entire adult life, as you can tell. But one of the best things I ever did was go to a freedom group. It was just so freeing to be a part of that group, to be on an awesome journey with other blokes, and see God move so incredibly in our lives. Now I have a real treat for you. I'm going to invite Penny up to come and share her story about how she became a Christian, how she became a follower of Jesus, and how the Freedom Group impacted her life. Why don't we give Penny a warm welcome as she comes. Now, Penny, it's so good to have you up here. I want to ask you, because there was some skepticism earlier, look at these people. Aren't they the most beautiful people you've seen? Amazing. Amazing, Amazing. aren't they? And all of these people love you, and they're all here to hear your story. (laughs) I just think it's amazing you guys regularly come to the 9 o'clock service. (laughs) Anyway, my story, my mother was raised in a strict brethren family, and she rebelled against what she saw as hypocrisy by marrying my agnostic father. During my school years, weekly scripture classes were held and my dad allowed my mum to send me to Sunday school, giving me some basic knowledge of Jesus. At the age of 19, I started my first full-time job at a local radio station here in Canberra, where I worked with a Christian colleague. He and his wife invited my older brother and me to dinner at him house, the YWAM base in Canberra at the time. One of the residents there happened to be a nurse who was caring for my mother in the oncology ward at the Canberra Hospital. Through the gentle ministry and witness of these YWAM members, I accepted Jesus into my life in late April 1977. While I may not have fully grasped the concept of salvation at the time, God's timing was perfect. Two weeks later, my mother passed away, and these wonderful people provided much-needed support as my brother and I navigated this difficult period, as our father had also succumbed to cancer three and a half years earlier. After becoming a Christian, I questioned my purpose, initially thinking it was to marry, start a family, and be a good wife and mother. However, life took a different path for me, and I ended up pursuing a career of sorts out of necessity to survive. But my jobs felt meaningless, like I was just being a personal servant to others. It was during the Freedom Course that I discovered my ministry of encouragement. (laughs) realizing the profound impact of speaking out words inspired by God and having experienced bullying and hardship throughout my life I've always lived by the principle of if you see someone without a smile give them one of yours What I thought was a good principle to live by was actually God's purpose for me. 
and he took some of the most challenging experiences of my own life to draw me to that purpose. Another, rev a rev yeah, another revelation from the Freedom Course was that God prepares us for our purpose. I was always terrified that if I completely surrendered to God, he was going to send me into some remote jungle to be a missionary. <laughs> and believe me, that's not something I aspire to. <laughs> Turns out he didn't have me earmarked for that. A ministry of encouragement is much more my style. God used the adversity I faced to equip me for this role, turning what the devil meant for harm into something good. <laughs> I encourage anyone who hasn't taken the freedom course to consider it. The truths I've learned and the chains that have been broken in my life have allowed me to experience God's freedom. I'm a work in progress, but with the Holy Spirit guiding me, I navigate life's challenges with the knowledge of his love and freedom. Amen. Thank you, Penny. Thank that you. was gorgeous. Make sure you find Penny after the service and just encourage her. Tell her what a great job she has done. I don't think there's much more that I can say. John 8 says, if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. God wants us not in a prison cell. He wants us out. He's willing to pay the price. He's willing to lead us out of that cell and give us true freedom. With every eye closed, I want to say to you, if you've not decided to follow Jesus, I have nothing but your best interests at heart. I have the greatest of love for you, and I ask you. I use an old Bible word, I beseech you. It means to implore you, to urgent, urgently and fervently ask you, and that is what I do today. Make the decision to follow Jesus Christ. Accept his offer of paying the price, the high price that you can be made free. Will you accept that offer today? Will you say yes to Jesus? And if that is you, while every eye is closed, I ask you to put your hand up and say to Jesus, this is an outward sign, a physical act of my inward decision to follow you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You can put your hand down. Thank you, Lord. If there's anybody else here, this is your opportunity to follow Jesus. To say, Jesus, I want to accept that offer. And if you're caught up in a prison cell, whether it be slavery to addictions, to habits, to anxiety, I want to pray for you too. So let us all pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I put my faith in you I choose to give you my life. I choose to follow you. I accept your offer. I want to be set free. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au.